0: Today on the LA Food Podcast, I'm your host, Lucas Ravodio, and while I don't have much, I have one thing Meghan Markle doesn't, a podcast on Spotify. On said podcast, dear listener, do we have an episode for you, Father Saul joins me to recap the latest and greatest in the food world, from the most recent iteration of the world's 50 best restaurants list, to Netflix's foray into the pop-up dining world. The main course of the day, however, is discussing the 2023 LA Times Restaurant of the Year. This year's honors went to Holbosch, Hilberto Satina's Seafood Concept at Mercado La Paloma near USC, and while we definitely give them their flowers, our discussion today is more about what it means to be a restaurant of the year in the first place, what distinguishes this type of recognition from other big-time awards in the food world, and which LA restaurants we can see snagging the title in years to come. Finally, we're joined by our good friend Brian Lerner, who you might know on social media as Brian Eats. We're debuting a new segment with Brian in which we explore what to eat when you're on the road in different cities. Brian recently left our city of angels for San Jose and he walks us through the eats you absolutely must check out next time you're up there on a business trip, family visit, or your annual pilgrimage to the alma mater of Joey Chestnut. That's right, dear listener. The greatest eater of all time went to San Jose State. Imagine that. Without further ado, let's chow down. Joining us today on the LA Food Podcast, it's a man that Bill Simmons once described as a, quote, fucking grifter. How you doing today, buddy?
1: <laughs> Father Saul. all? Me and Meghan Markle, baby, were the grifters of the world in Bill Simmons' eyes. You know, he, he got in some trouble across the pond for this. People are mad. Wait, they are? I, I've yeah. basically seen people just taking his side on this. I think generally, yes. In America, 100% yes. In England, I heard there was a little bit of a, little bit of a anti-Bill Simmons sentiment. But he has enemies. It's no big deal.
0: He's got enemies. He sure does. Kind of like you.
1: Including me. <laughs> <for the right. laughs>
0: Your number one enemy right now is actually uh, me, because I owe you a dinner to celebrate uh, your top chef, your fantasy top chef win, and the people have voted. Do you want to know what they voted on? That should oh, be your oh, yeah. prize.
1: Let's hear. Let's hear this.
0: It's actually a visit to the LA Times 2023 Restaurant of the Year, Whole Bosch, which we will get L- into in just a minute. But that's where I'm taking yeah. you, man.
1: Fuck yeah, I like it. This, this is good. When I sent, I texted you earlier that I liked the idea of going to the LA Times Restaurant of the Year each year cause tradition, you know, rather than like picking and choosing each year like a random restaurant or top chef alum, we can stick to this as like the key concept for the prize and then we have have true tradition and know know what's going on year over year.
0: The only issue with that, and we're going to get into this in just a minute, is that the LA Times does not seem very consistent with the month in which they drop the LA Times restaurant of the year. So, it may not always coincide so cleanly with the Top Chef finale. Do you think that matters? That probably doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, it doesn't matter. We'll think about it. I'm not coming down to LA next until August anyway, so it, it would be like, uh, you know, the timing would really matter on when we see each other, not when the awards announced. And also, Top Chef doesn't always land on a consistent month or whatever, so we can work out how the details actually fall through. But I don't think it matters that much.
0: You're not supposed to tell the listeners how infrequently you're coming to LA. Okay, <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> so uh listeners please forget you heard that okay he's he's uh he's in LA all the time and is super qualified to be the co-host of the LA food podcast right far
1: <laughs> park right outside my window fancy that <laughs> love being in Los Feliz all the time
0: well look today's actually a perfect episode to have you on because a lot of the stuff that we're going to carry actu- or cover actually has to do with things outside of Los Angeles I didn't realize that when we started this podcast, 90% of our content was going to be about awards, but it 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 just so happens that there are a lot of awards in the food world and a few big ones dropped this week. First and foremost, we saw the world's 50 best list dropped. I think it dropped like a few days ago now. Interestingly, did you know that this is actually a list of 100 restaurants, not 50?
1: I actually did know that. It's a strange branding choice. I don't know why. I don't know why they do that. But uh, yeah, I've I've clicked through the 50 best list in the past and been like 65. Number 65, (laughs) weird. Uh, But yeah, that's that's their thing, I guess.
0: Yeah. So counting, not the strong suit, but uh, it's actually 100 restaurants. (laughs) And another interesting tidbit that I picked up this time is that I didn't realize that for a few years now, they've had a rule that number one restaurants can't win twice. So actually, this is probably a list of 100 out of the like 107 best restaurants in the world. Right. What are your thoughts on that, the fact that number one restaurants can't win twice?
1: I, I think – well, I I both kind of like it, but I think they're missing something where they need to have like a Hall of Fame or an easily accessible, like, way to see past winners. Because I'm on the site right now. It's not super clear, like, the past winners, which means that you kind of, like, lose history on, on some of the from the prior folks, El Boulis, the French Laundry, Fat Duck, Noma. Like, those are still, like, as you said, among the very best restaurants in the world. If you completely kind of eliminate them from the list moving forward, which I think is cool, because it forces diversity, it forces new champions, and, and continuing to, like... Find new deserving winners at the top, and this is not a science anyway, right? So I, I like that there's a forcing mechanism for that, but I also think they should have relatively accessible, like, like the the, the Hall of Winners or something, or the list of prior winners, so you could be like, okay, yeah, these are like consistently great restaurants. I'm not like forgetting about Noma, even though it doesn't exist anymore, right? I think Noma closed, but yeah, Noma, uh, yeah, yeah, but whatever it is, I, I think there's, I think that's a slight mistake they have here.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could be forgiven for looking at this list and just thinking, like, the French laundry fell off in a big way,
1: you know? Right. Exactly. Which, well, all, all the new restaurants coming into the fold, popping up all over the world, you'd want, like, some reference point. And I want them to keep reviewing it, too. Uh, yeah. But, you know, is what it is
0: well let's go through some of the uh the winners the awardees so the top restaurant in the world according to the world's 50 best the number one restaurant is Central in Lima now I texted you this earlier this week but how cucked do you feel that we went all the way to Lima from Los Angeles and did not visit Central
1: I mean I, I felt cucked in the moment on this one because we I knew Central was Central was I think widely regarded as the best restaurant in lima when we went uh we end up going to maido which is the second highest rated restaurant in lima on this list uh and was an amazing dinner by the way lima might be the most represented city i didn't count it up but there are a ton across a hundred of the all hundred restaurants ton of stuff in lima i think really overrepresented league stanford so that's pretty cool um I, I honestly I don't feel I don't overall don't feel that cooked. I think we tried. We might have like looked and it was not available to get a reservation. I had seen Central on probably Chef's table or something like that and thought it was really interesting. But you know, we got a decent consolation prize in Maido. Um so I'm not I'm not too mad, just a good excuse to go back.
0: Yeah, totally. Great excuse to go back to an awesome city. Uh we did go to Maido, which actually came in at number six on this list. That's pretty good, man. We've been to the number six restaurant on this list. That ain't That ain't nothing.
1: We got a couple in like the top 20, top 30 that we've been to. I feel pretty proud of us. Um, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mito was dope.
0: So Mito, if I recall correctly, was sort of a really high-end encapsulation of the intersection between Peruvian and Japanese cooking, what they call Nikkei, right? And I remember two things about that meal. I remember first that there was like – rope in the decor of the restaurant like rope coming Uh, down from the ceiling
1: right yeah 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 yeah
0: you remember that yeah that's like one thing yeah that's always stuck stuck with me so like you know in the event that you uh immediately regretted spending that much money on a meal (laughs) you could hang yourself you could hang yourself if you wanted secondly (laughs) i remember that uh the only dish i remember is a fish that they brought to our table that I think they called devil fish. And we had already ordered at this point. And they bring this massive, ugly catfish looking sucker to the table. And it's raw. It's like, you know, uncooked. And they ask us, do we want it?
1: Because it was one of those things like, you know, when a steakhouse, like trolleys, all it's like raw steak cuts. And you're like, oh, I want the T-bone. And then they go cook the T-bone for you. That's what it was like. And it was a special for that evening fresh caught devil fish it was like a or like a scorpion fish it disgusting like a slabby wet gray mess but we're like Fuck it, if they're gonna cook this fresh we might as well eat it and then our buddy Dietrich looks up and he goes like really real concern like in his voice how do we eat that which was a fair question a fair question not when you are not assuming that they're gonna actually cook the fish for you he just thought this like sloppy mess was gonna be put on the table in front of us so fair concern good question and boy, did they cook it beautifully in the end. So no concern.
0: Yeah, it was one of those questions that was so dumb in the moment <laughs> that yeah. it was just – but also so earnest that I actually – we all paused and were like, wait, Whoa. is he serious? Does he mean this? Because if so, like we're going to have to have a serious conversation here. Um, yeah, good old good old Dietrich. Shout out Dietrich.
1: Um, Yo, like, I remember briefly almost responding to him like with a fork – like just confused as what he was asking. <laughs> I, I, I like thought he was confused about the actual eating process after it was cooked. And I was like, I think it's pretty straightforward. But he was like more concerned about the, Am I might have to force feed myself disgusting raw. <laughs> hey,
0: maybe he thought it was like sashimi. We did have like other crudos in the, uh,
1: yeah, that's true. A lot of crudo, a lot of, uh, a lot of ceviche in Peru. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He's like, they're just taking the crudo to a whole new level. They're just giving you the whole ass fish. <laughs>
1: The only time I'd seen fear in Dietrich's eyes.
0: Yeah. Uh, So the other restaurants we've been to on the top 50 list are Mexico City-based restaurants. They are Quintanil, Puyol, and Rosetta. I mean, the Hmm. thing that really jumped out to me here, and these have all been on the list before, I believe. Maybe Rosetta hasn't. No. Actually, I think Rosetta has. The thing that jumped out to me here is that typically Puyol is the highest rated of the three. And mm-hmm. this year, Quintanil actually jumped over Puyol. Uh, P- Quintanil was at like number nine and Puyol was at number 13. Last year, Puyol was number nine and Quintanil was number 27. So, pretty cool story of a restaurant that was started actually by someone who used to work at Puyol, kind yep. of like, you know, becoming the master, if you will.
1: Yeah. And I remember when we went to Mexico City and tried Quinto Neal and Puyol sort of back-to-back, and maybe on our first trip, we kind of walked away being more impressed with Quinto Neal, if I'm not mistaken. There was, like, kind of cooler ideas, fresher, more modern versus, I mean, something that makes Puyol so special is, like, going back to indigenous ingredients and preparing them in unique ways. Um, so, no, it would be certainly uh, deserving, I, I, I imagine. And I also, when, when, when these big changes happen on these lists that are going to basically... It's, it's a pretty consistent set of restaurant year-over-year. Year. I think the top 30... There's probably what, maybe only 20, 30% turnover, like over 50% of the restaurants that are near the top are kind of the same, I think, over and over again. Yeah. And I do wonder like what the what the judges here and what the what the panel here is seeing on a year-to-year basis and how they assess differences over a year is not that much time. Like is there no. a fresh new menu and a new dish, new concept that Quintonil is doing, or do they feel maybe Puyol has um, like plateaued a little bit? I'm wondering what the the year over year differences. Uh, what's informing that?
0: I have a bull prediction that I think that Puyol will continue to decrease on the list. I, uh, you know, we went back in 2016 or 2017, and I went back last year, and I do think that the meal doesn't quite hit the same. Uh, at least right. not for me. Right. I think that in terms of some of their most like. Iconic dishes like the mole or they're like baby corn and the ant mayonnaise yeah. and whatnot. It's starting to feel less and less unique in yeah. that. Like, I just think that there are lots of other restaurants that have sort of taken the inspiration from what Enrique Alvera has done there and have just continued to. Innovate and innovate and do more and more interesting things. And I think that may be one of the driving factors behind Quintanil actually going up and above Puyol is that I didn't get a chance to go back to Quintanil last year. But even when we went back in 2017, there was this sense there of like excitement and innovation and like happening. Like, you know what I mean? And I just feel like maybe Puyol's star is a little on the decline.
1: It's possible. I, I think that makes sense. And I think there are two other potential factors here. One, Enrique Overa, since we went, has now expanded his restaurant empire internationally to the US, right? So his yeah. time is a bit split from Puyol and other projects. And I kind of wonder if the, the fame of Puyol and its feature on Netflix and, and the rising star of Enrique actually works against it in terms of innovating, because the menu is like almost exactly the same as what we saw. Really close, yeah. right? Like, And I wonder it's partly because diners want to see the hits. Diners saw the moles on Netflix, saw the baby corn on Netflix, and they want to keep like, that's where they want to go eat. And they'd be disappointed if they didn't have it. So it's almost as if Puyol is like his old standby, like it's like his greatest hits album a little bit. But then his real, I mean, his next act, uh, Olvera, will be in his other projects maybe where he might have more room to to tinker and innovate. Although those restaurants, while having some recognition of the LA landscape, I don't think I've really expanded beyond that.
0: Uh, you say that, but I'm pretty sure he has another restaurant on this list. So
1: he's really? doing all right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there, you
0: so go. there you go. It leads to my next point, which is recognition of American restaurants, AKA restaurants that are in America. There right. aren't too many on it, honestly. First of all, there yeah. are no Los Angeles restaurants. So. There we go. There is one San Francisco restaurant, one restaurant in Healdsburg, California, and those are the only two California-like uh, representatives. And the other ones are in New York. Um, one of the restaurants in New York is Cosme, which I think, which I believe, is Enrique Alvarez' New York restaurant. So, you know, in terms of how his other restaurants are doing, I think he's going to be just fine. But to your point. Maybe that's taking some of the shine uh, off of Puyol in terms of what these types of lists look for.
1: So it's interesting to me, We talk, when we talk about awards and we've talked about them in the past with like James Beard and so on, we've really talked, one of the things we've continually gone back to is the fact that the, the scope of these awards historically has been pretty limited, right? And like, for example, your Moosecraft Neighborhood Barbecue does not get considered the same level as your... La Bernadette, right because there's a very Mm -hmm. specific idea of what high-end dining what fine dining is and and the world and what stands out about the world's 50 best list as james beard has i think tried very hard to expand its purview and even michelin has right um that, that was the other one michelin i think is trying pretty hard to like recognize all forms of great food in all environments 50 best is like fine dining classic fine dining a lot of the dishes, if you like scroll through the, the list, they have like a, a single dish sort of like pictured from each restaurant or like an interior. It kind of blends together. It's kind of like, hey, everyone's learned across the world how to speak this language of fine dining and translate their food into it. But there's an expectation of a certain look, feel, yeah. experience. I don't know if that's a bad thing for uh, one award to be like handling that mantle uh, i think it might give space to the others to be like well let's find the moose crafts and the whole boxes and so on um holbosh holbosh is that what you said
0: they pronounce it holbosh actually hol-bosh. it's uh, okay. named after the an island in the Yucatan um so you know i'm not just making cool. that up but if you want right, to pronounce right. it holbox we'll we'll allow it
1: okay uh, this would be a great bit if you're lying to me but holbosh right <laughs> would now now i mean recognized by 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 I think also Michelin as well, right? So I, I, this is something I, I noted going to the list. And as you look at the American restaurants, right, there are restaurants that I would be happy to go visit and try, but it's a very specific flavor of restaurant in America that I actually don't think really grab, captures the imagination of most, you know, even day-to-day, like, foodies, quote unquote, people who are interested in like eating good food. Sure. Maybe someone wants to try Cosme. I wouldn't blame them. I I want to try it. But I think most people in the US, most people like millennial and Gen Z are more interested in the the great neighborhood spot that kind of surprises and exceeds expectations rather than the person who's doing fine dining the best.
0: I mean, if we went off of only this list, we would never eat in Los Angeles because there's nowhere, none of, there's no place in Los Angeles that- Is on this list, and honestly, I was racking my brain to think of which restaurants in Los Angeles could potentially aspire to be on this list. And it's a very, very short list, in my opinion. Yeah,
1: yeah, what Providence, maybe like a couple, like like it's that that vein, right?
0: Yeah, your Santa
1: Monica's and your Malibu's.
0: I think it's like Providence, uh, Inaka, maybe, yeah, Yeah, yeah. A couple slightly newer tasting menus, which are very beloved, which could maybe, you know, if they continue and they continue sort of like rising, like Hayato and Cato right. and places like that, if they continue to sort of elevate and make headlines and grab attention, I could see them coming in with like a shout. But yo, we have three Michelin restaurants in Southern California, like, um, the place in in uh, San Diego area, that's whose name is escaping me Addison, I want to say, something like that. Mm. They're not even on this list. They're a three Michelin Star restaurant here in Southern California. Like it's incredibly hard to make this list,
1: yeah, incredibly. And part of the reason is, look, you can theoretically, they can award as many three Michelin stars as they want and as many two Michelin stars as they want. Uh, James Beard is obviously limited to some extent, but it's also geographically limited to the u s. To have a list of saying, hey, we're only choosing 100 restaurants across the world, like I, that seems like such an impossible task and to rank restaurants in this way, right? Like having a criteria like Michigan, uh, Michelin makes much more sense to me being like, okay, these are the standards, right? And like whoever hits the standards, it's a standard. Whereas to say like, hey, you're number one and you're number two or you're number yeah. five or you're six or 19, I don't know. How does that, how does that work? Yeah.
0: I mean I would kill to see their rubric. Uh it would be yeah. super interesting to see how they go about actually evaluating this. But yeah, I mean I have to say I don't really put that much stock into this list. Yes, if we're going to a city like Lima or Mexico City and whatnot where there are a relatively large sampling of restaurants on this list there in that city, yeah, you bet your bottom dollar we're going to go visit them because we don't have any in Los Angeles, but I pretty much know before we're going there that those aren't going to be my favorite meals, you know, like, and I'm not saying like, I'm one of those people that's like, Oh, it's gotta be from the street. I've got to like be able to get a stomach bug off of it or else I'm not going to be happy. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like there are other places like Casa Virginia, right. Or like places that are sort of a little middle of the road, if you will, in terms of like, um, fanciness that, where the meals are just going to stick in my head a little bit more, right? They're gonna they're gonna impress me a little bit more, um, and maybe it's just because we're not refined. Maybe we're just basic bitches.
1: Well, I, maybe not. That that could very well be true. But also, I remember literally our first trip to Mexico City when we when we tried Puyol tasting menu for the first time, and it was great. We kind of left being like, "Hold on, was the pastor taco we ate under a highway better than that?" <laughs> I think it was. I think it might have been. And it was like – or like that's the meal we would go back to. So I mean look, it's like – as you said, uh, it's it's a nice little compass when we're traveling internationally. I don't use this list to identify restaurants I want to visit in the U.S. at all. Um, but uh, it's, it's kind of a fun – it's almost a novelty. It's like a novelty exercise to go visit these restaurants, right? To be like, oh, ah, yeah. we went to four of the top 20 restaurants in the world. Cool. good. I mean and look, they've all been good meals. Obviously, yeah. like, they've all yeah, been yeah. a good time. Um, it, it's a notch not on the belt. will will be the the core memory of a trip
0: totally totally i hear you man well quick last point on this is that there was a top chef shout in that our boy Kwame got the Mm. 2023 one to watch award
1: very cool uh what i've noticed actually what this made me think dude top chef is everywhere we're in this big top chef year obviously season 20 world all-stars we've gone over it ad nauseum but like I was watching uh, the next Iron Chef or Iron Chef Gauntlet on Netflix, Gregory Gaudet, May Lynn, mm-hmm. Jeremy from from C- uh, season thirteen California winner, like every, like fucking Tournament of Champions. Half the people I saw Joe Sha- Joe Sasto and Shota go up against each other. Like these guys are everywhere, and it's pretty freaking cool. Kwame, you know what? A decade after his his Top Chef appearance, is like an, a one to watch on the world's world fifty. I mean. I didn't, I don't think I realized just how much of a talent pipeline Top Chef truly is. And it's really cool to see.
0: But you say that, and like, it's absolutely true. Top Chef, talent pipeline, Top Chef mafia, we stand absolutely. But if you think that from being on Top Chef to becoming the world's 50 one to watch, that's not even like the cemented ass yeah. chef. It's like chefs of the future there's been years of work between when he was on top chef and when he got this nod, right? Like that's an eternity in a career to then be named like one to watch.
1: It is. It is. And and I think when he joined top chef, he was like 25 years old or something. He was really young, 25, 26, a very young contestant. But I mean, look, credit to top chef to like identify a one to watch before the world catches up to him being the one to watch. And of course, the growth and, and uh, accomplishment that has to happen in those 10 years for Kwame to be there is, is true and awesome. But like, it's, it's really just like, I don't know. It speaks to the casting, shout out Daneen. It speaks to the judging, shout out Tom and, and, and Gail and Padma, RIP JK. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, it, 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 it's just, it's just fun to like have a, such an affinity for a show and a competition show that we've talked about so much. And then to realize, I mean, you know it's influenced in the US, right? And you know it's influenced like here, but both between the world all-stars and, and seeing Kwame's name on this list, it's like this This show somehow, these, these people are like really the most influential across across the landscape of food. I mean, particularly in America, I should say, but but uh, more broadly in Kwame's case.
0: Yeah. Look, enough on the world's 50 best. Uh, we'll revisit it next year or maybe if we get a chance to go to one of these restaurants between now and sure. then. but. I wanted to quickly pivot to an even stupider rating, which is the fact that the infatuation this week visited a restaurant we love. It's Diego Argati's Poltergeist, and they gave it a 6.9. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I mean, if you're looking at school grades, that's what, a D plus, right? Yep. Yep. I love the infatuation, shout out Brandt, but are they on crack?
1: Yeah, or should they be on crack to better assess Diego's food based on what we know of his story? Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, look, what bothered me about this one, something I wanted to do, which I didn't get a chance to do, is to go and look at like other 6.9 or so, like low seven rated restaurants that the Infatuation has in LA. Because as Bram noted, it's tough to get up there, right? It, it, like they, they, they are like pretty picky with who they reward. But what bothered me a little bit was. They, they fairly pointed out, like, for example, that one of the desserts they had in not work is Pop Rock's dessert, and like that the crazy mixtures, like, in that case, didn't land. But something that Brant said that stood out to me, and shout out, Brant, we love Brant. He was like, What we want to assess is how well is a restaurant doing at what it purports to do, right? And poltergeist is a pop up concept from one of the most famous, not. like, mixed, or is it not? Is it? Is it Wait, yeah, he
0: uh, Diego actually got upset that you called it a pop up on the last podcast. So uh, apologies, God. Diego.
1: It's you not. Told, a- you <laughs> told me it was a pop up when we went. I am <laughs> I am fully advocating Wayne for this, Diego. I'm so sorry, man. I it's- was giving false information. <laughs> not not
0: a pop-up it's a uh, uh it's a real it's a concept it's the new food concept that lives inside uh, button mash so it's so like calling
1: yeah. starry night and the other stuff okay got it got it i'm uh, looking at us, like, your you're like we're actually defending it have no idea what it is <laughs> <laughs> no uh but 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 back okay back to the point so poltergeist is, is in a barcade like wacky like weird michael jackson games and pop shot trying all sorts of crazy combinations that capture like the landscape and have like lineages from like bestia to Bavel, some of the best restaurants in la with diego's mind like coming up with the combinations and sure not all of them will work but isn't it doing exactly what it promises in some way right and so no. I, I i would imagine if i was in the if i was in the infatuations room uh, writer's room whatever it is i'd be bumping this up like closer to an eight plus right as we said our ideal restaurant for an la experience
0: Uh, That is exactly what stood out to me too. It's that point about how much did they understand and achieve the assignment. And Mm -hmm. when it comes to achieving the assignment, you just laid out the case perfectly. It deserves way more than a 6.9. You can take issue with certain dishes, pop rocks and dessert may not work. I'll grant you that. We didn't actually have that one, so we can't really speak to it. But if you're looking at the other dishes and again, conceptually for the space and what it's trying to do, I think it's one of the best restaurants in Los Angeles right now. So, you know, look, we can uh, disagree without being disagreeable. But fuck you, infatuation. No, I am just kidding. I <laughs> am
1: um, just kidding. Right, I, I, think, I think. By the way, guy's gonna come back around this conversation. You'll see. You'll see exactly what we're talking about or what I am what I am thinking of uh, when when we when we speak to a speak to some LA awards later in this podcast.
0: I think we might be on the same page here, but before we move on to part two, I wanted to quickly bring up that Netflix is pivoting during the writer strike. Uh, you know, it's like showbiz. No, not for us anymore. Uh, they're moving to a notoriously safe business, which is the restaurant business. They're opening a pop-up called Netflix bites. It's on Fairfax near the Grove. Um, it's, I think it's opening up on June 30th and what it is it's, it's a special menu made by their culinary all-stars, Dominique Crenn from Chef's Table, Nadia Hussein from Nadia Bakes, and Kim from Chef's Table Pizza, blah, 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 blah. I think this is really cool, but I wanted to pitch you on something. I came up with some other concepts that I think would make this idea even better. Are you ready for it?
1: Let's hear this.
0: So Netflix has a treasure trove of intellectual property. Why not You know, right now they're doing the obvious thing, which is taking the chefs, right, from their cooking shows and doing meals that are created by them. What if instead you just took the intellectual property and used that as an inspiration for an experiential dinner, okay? First pitch, orange is the new black dinner, which consists of recreations of very accurate recreations of prison (laughs) food.
1: (laughs) I, I'm sure it would sell. I mean, this whole concept is going to sell. I want to hear all the ideas you have for different IP, but but I think I would not be surprised in the least if they go if they go that direction. Look, I'm not eating the orange's new black prison food. I didn't watch the show. Didn't seem all that interesting to me. No, no disrespect, and uh, don't eat prison food. But I know you'd be I know you'd be in there with bells on. So
0: hey, I'd be lined up asking for my shit on a shingle and asking for seconds. <laughs> Second idea. Uh, love is blind. Dinner, a blind Ooh. tasting of foods. Come on, that's an easy one.
1: That's an easy one. I I, I agree. Um, yeah, yeah. Why not blind tasting? You would you wouldn't, but you don't have any particular cuisine in mind. That doesn't quite work. I mean, what you could like. This last season was in Seattle. You could do some like oysters and I don't know fish and chips. Whatever we eat here.
0: <laughs> no, I, I think maybe it would be Ooh, like the gimmick could be like uh. The diners have to like blindly choose which dish wins, and that's like you know yeah, that's yeah, like yeah. the soulmate of the evening or something like that, yeah. right? So, uh, look, we're 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 a fountain of creative ideas here, so I'm sure we can figure out some way to make this related. Uh, a Bridgerton themed royal feast consisting only of aphrodisiacs.
1: Uh yeah, it makes a lot of sense. What are the aphrodisiac foods aside from oysters? What, like, just, what is a, there? just
0: a shit ton of oysters, bro. Just like, <laughs> your oysters yeah.
1: Oysters and chocolate sounds pretty gross, but uh, hey, I, I'm sure people are down. Some sad yeah. people at, at Netflix, by the way. Shout out to Netflix for seeing how easy it is to commit wage theft in the restaurant industry and being like, We want in, <laughs> we want, <laughs> let's do that. this. Yeah, we, can, we can't cheat our writers, let's find some yeah. new, new staff to steal from.
0: Yeah, there's no uh, waiters union yet, so yeah. uh, they can't strike. <laughs> Okay, my final idea, which is my favorite idea. It's a beef-themed dinner prepared by two chefs who freaking hate each other.
1: This is the one. This is the one I'm going to. I love that.
0: I did some research for famous chef feuds. We should do a whole episode on epic chef feuds. You won't be surprised. You probably won't be surprised to learn – that Gordon Ramsay is at the center of quite a few of them. Um, <laughs> but my favorite one was Tyler Florence and Andrew Zimmern. Do you know who they are?
1: Uh, I know Andrew Zimmern. Who's Tyler Florence?
0: So Andrew Zimmern is the Bizarre Foods guy. Tyler yep. Florence was like a – he was like a really like sexy celebrity chef in the 90s or early 2000s. And uh, you know he's kind of just like – he was one of those like hot guys cooking on the Food Network, right? So, Got it. Their beef stems from an appearance they made on a Ryan Seacrest show a while ago. And Andrew Zimmern really took issue with like how Tyler Florence like behaved on set. And he posted a blog on the subject. And after reading the blog, Tyler Florence like hit back at him calling Zimmern the guy who eats dried camel cock for a living.
1: (laughs) Okay based on that two second summary on team zimmern not of the camel cock i want to be very clear that's a great burn by tyler but Zimmern <laughs> seems like <laughs> zimmern seems first of all like a cool guy bizarre foods was a dope show and by yeah. the way we should be eating more offal or whatever that he would he would eat i th- i think that was an important show for like food in general and tyler seems like kind of a dick just based on his picture so team zimmern Uh, Although, shout out to Tyler for a pretty good fucking comeback.
0: (laughs) I'm with you. Okay, Netflix, if you're listening, we're here. As we've said before, we can be bought. So our DMs are open. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. When we're back, we're talking about the LA Times Restaurant of the Year. Last week, the LA Times announced its Restaurant of the Year for 2023. It gave the award to Holbosch, a uh, Yucatecan seafood concept that operates at Mercado La Paloma down near USC. Saul, so, when you think of Restaurant of the Year, what comes to mind?
1: Uh, you know what? Jonathan Gold comes to mind. I, hmm. I was trying to figure out what, 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 really, what really it was. And that's the first association just from his list and just like from being excited to open up his list, see what's number one, which I know wasn't like necessarily – I don't know if it was like awarded restaurant of the year necessarily. But uh, that's the very first thing that comes to mind is is who's the top of the top in Los Angeles specifically uh, because that's when I first became familiar with the, with the idea of a food award.
0: And when you think of who should win a restaurant of the year, mm-hmm. like what what criteria would you be looking for?
1: You know, ironically, so one of them is that the restaurant is fresh to that year, right? And that can be kind of like wavy, right? Because you can have like a new restaurant of the year, but a restaurant of the year, I think should be relatively fresh, right? It should not be more than like 10 years old or like even five years old, let's say. It needs to be like relatively new to the landscape and maybe had a few years to like grow and it's like figure itself out a little bit. So I want it to be relatively new. It should be innovative. It should say have a new perspective. should say something new about the, the landscape it's in. Like if there was like a Providence, like Providence 2 like restaurant, right? It's a great restaurant. It could be like top ten in LA, but I wouldn't give it a restaurant of the year. I'd want something that's that's like really speaking to some new ideas about the city, maybe a new young chef. Um something yeah, something surprising. And that maybe is like reshaping the landscape a little bit.
0: Okay, so I was asking myself this exact same question and was coming up with a lot of these same thoughts that you had. So I did a little research and I tried to find out, is there anywhere where they list what this award actually means, right? So there is actually an article back from 2017, which I think was when this award was initially awarded. Um, Jonathan Gold gave it to Local. Do you remember Local? It was Roy Choi's like fast food concept that that opened in Watts, which was meant to like, you know, give jobs to people in the community and spark revitalization. There are things that Jonathan Gold listed in that article that were his considerations for what this award means. So he said, and I'm quoting here, right? There are many factors to consider in choosing the Los Angeles Times restaurant of the year. An ideal candidate has delicious food. That's a given but also a sense of purpose, a place within its community, and the ability to drive the conversation forward, not just in Los Angeles, but around the world. Its chefs should honor diversity, but not at the expense of focus, health, but not at the expense of flavor, and sustainability, but not at the expense of complexity. It should feel like LA. That's that's a pretty like definitive rubric right he breaks it down into basically five categories sense of purpose place within community ability to drive the conversation forward in la and beyond and honoring diversity health and sustainability and finally it should feel like la which is probably the most amorphous one but if you eat in la and you love la food you kind of have a feeling for what that means so that sounds kind of like what you listed out too right
1: I think so. He got more specific with it, especially with the, with the criteria to specific to LA. Right. I will also say the place that I, the only place where it might be like, this isn't criteria for me is honoring health and sustainability. It's those are nice to haves. I don't need my chef to honor health really. like, <laughs> uh, like and, and in what ways sustainability, obviously nice to recognize. And, and diversity I think is naturally naturally would be recognized in capturing LA, right? It should feel like LA. To me, that means in some ways it should reflect the diversity of the city and capture and reflect it in real ways. So uh, And also we are awarding a restaurant, not a chef, right? Yeah. Which is a conversation we had before. Um, so that might be the only thing I'm like, I, I maybe it's, it's more like what the overall restaurant represents, which should capture those things, which may capture those things. Um, but the rest of it in terms of like sense of purpose and and, and a perspective really is what I hear there. Uh, Places in community, right? Saying something new about the landscape, and and you know feeling like LA, and you know being innovative and driving the the, the food scene forward, and and i.e. being new and fresh, not something like ten to twenty years old. Yeah, I think there are some overlaps with with it, the way we're with the way me and Jay Gold think, which is you know classic us. You yeah, know?
0: it's a given. It's a given. Uh, <laughs> Going by that criteria and all these factors, I think that the case that Bill Addison made in his review of Holbosch and his sort of like reasoning for why he gave this award to Holbosch, you know, it's it's very persuasive. You know, the things that he said about why they should be getting this award this year. So they their mission is to showcase Yucatec and Seafood. That's how they opened. But really, it's evolved into a restaurant that showcases the diversity of all of the ways that Mexico does seafood and that it and and that really is reflected in Los Angeles. Like when we think of mariscos and like seafood preparations in Los Angeles, it's really this sort of like uh, cauldron, like melting pot of all of these different styles around Mexico. There's like Sinaloa and ceviches, Baja fish tacos, you know, Yucatecan preparations. So in that sense, it really does, to use Bill's words, convey something essential about the pluralism of Los Angeles. Secondly, he talks about it being delicious. He talks about their signature dishes, blah, blah, blah. And um, finally, he also talks about the sort of like interesting place in the community that it filled, especially during the pandemic, doing these sort of like outdoor lunches that brought people together and whatnot, and really sort of like becoming this place that said something about Los Angeles. And also the fact that it's at this Mercado La Paloma, which is a very like community-driven food hall. It's not even like a sit-down restaurant. It's really a stand, you know, at this, at this food mm-hmm. hall. That's very Los Angeles and that's very purpose, right? Yeah. In that sense, I think that that's a really like compelling case for why it should win restaurant of the year. The one thing is it did open in 2017. That's like- Eight years ago? Six years ago. Do you think that's- Six years
1: ago. Good math, buddy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's why I'm doing this podcast and not a billionaire. But what do you think about that? Is six years too old to qualify for this this award?
1: I I mean, again, not- I I don't know what the perfect year amount is, but not necessarily, especially with COVID in between, I'll say, right? Mm. Because with COVID in between, it's almost like maybe a four-year-old or five-year-old restaurant. Um, and of course, during COVID, as you mentioned, they like transformed in a way that was very interesting. No, I, th- I think restaurants require a couple of years to find themselves to, to become meaningful in a community and, and like really find their footing. Um, I think, for example, if you look back to last year's restaurant, a, a year award winner, Anna Jack, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. Um, like that, that was a restaurant that was 20 years old and then re- like, transformed itself. And over the course of uh, maybe that, that year or over or maybe a year, slightly plus, um, but and then captured all these same ideas. So I don't, I don't know what the perfect year is for the restaurant. I, to me, it's kind of like going back to that world's 50 Best guide of like not rewarding the same winner over and over. It's it's I like kind of more more that idea where it's like this. I, I think a restaurant of the year should be uh, a recognition of a restaurant that's like coming into its own. Like maybe it had like as whole whole boats has. You know, it has Michelin recognition and James, James, I don't know, LA Times, the year recognition now, but like is not like an old standby, like Meryl Streep winning her 20th Oscar or whatever. Yeah. I think to me, it should be somewhat, somewhat fresh. And it's, that's kind of like a you know it when you see it, like um, criteria.
0: And they had James Beard Award recognition this year as well. The chef Hilberto Satina was actually nominated for Best Chef California alongside Justin Pichatrungzi of Annajack. He just didn't win, but he was nominated. So they did get shine yeah. there. So look, I think we're on the same page here. Hobosh we get it. It's a great concept and I'm excited to take you there. I will say it, it ranked pretty high on my taco countdown, my taco crawl of Los Angeles last year. Um, I think i ranked them third best taqueria in Los Angeles that I had out of, out of a hundred. So, you know, it's not quite restaurant of the year level, but definitely quite high. Now, <laughs>
2: it's,
0: you know, I think that if they have anything framed on the wall, it's probably the fact that they got the bronze medal. on my <laughs> Now, uh, the part where this gets a little sticky for me is that the Restaurant of the Year Award is awarded alongside another award called the Gold Award, named after the late great Jonathan Gold, of course. And last year, Meals by Jeanette, the uh, very popular and excellent Ethiopian restaurant won, and this year, Park's Barbecue won. Now, when they're describing the award, this is how they describe it. And I, I got this from an article in which Jonathan Gold's widow actually quoted Jonathan Gold about what this award should mean. And to use Jonathan Gold's words again, he says, It's an award of honoring culinary excellence and expanding the notion of what Southern California cooking might be. The award celebrates intelligence and innovation, brilliance and sensitivity to aesthetics, culture, and the environment. After reading that, I was like, what the hell is the difference between these two awards? They sound so okay. similar.
1: Well, I, I I agree and disagree with you here. I they do sound similar, and the mistake they've made is in the description. And I think based on who they've awarded, Meals by Jeanette and now Parks Barbecue, what the award really seems to be is a lifetime achievement award for LA yeah right? Like Bestia could win in a couple of years, right? Like that it's it's almost like and therefore the idea that this is what LA cuisine might be is incorrect it's what la is capturing what la cuisine is Mm -hmm. and like the restaurants that have made la cuisine and defined it right and i kind of wish like uh i i like and also i feel like that's not what the gold award by the way should be the gold award i feel like should be reserved more for if, if the restaurant of the year is the restaurant of the year with the criteria that jay gold himself set out in 2017 and that bill addison as we mentioned is meeting pretty effectively in his in his um and, and the LA Times is meeting pretty effectively in its selections the past couple of years. The gold award should be reserved for the kind of restaurant Jonathan Gold would have found that no one else would have found or known of. Like I feel like a love Ooh. to eat, right? Or a whatever Chengdu Taste or or um what was the the Thai restaurant he found that, that he loved so much. Um Jilada. Uh, like, Jitlada, right, that's right those should be the Gold Award restaurants the the and, and the ones that capture and represent LA and, and it's, I mean, look, also diversity, but maybe just less than it's in there. There is a stature for some of these like uh, Restaurant of the Year Awards. So to be fair, Anna Jack's like pretty small little space um, up, up in the valley. But I, I think that's what I would imagine the Gold Award should be for. What it really seems to be is the Lifetime Achievement Award for an LA restaurant. And what its description is, is not <laughs> is not it's that awesome. So it's yeah. a little bit all over the place. Yeah.
0: It's funny you say that because for the last two years, the gold award has gone to restaurants that were kind of like Jonathan Gold's greatest hits in terms of restaurants yeah. that he just quote unquote either discovered or absolutely loved or like Meals by Jeanette yeah. is one of his biggest quote unquote success stories. That like it was a restaurant that was started by uh uh, mother, whose son really believed in her cooking and he funded everything and the restaurant opened and was doing really, really poorly uh, despite having excellent food and the Jay gold went there, ate there, and the restaurant blew up and you know became one of the most successful restaurants in all of los angeles so it 's one of his like the the best sort of case studies of the jay gold effect right so I agree with you, though. That would be a really interesting direction to take that award. The only thing I would say is that that feels more like a journalism award, you know? Like, that should go to a journalist who does that.
1: Yeah, that's actually that's actually good, kind of a good point as well. Like, I, I don't know. Like, how many more food awards do we fucking need, right? And, like, I don't know. There's almost something, unless this is, like, this is the Jonathan Gold Greatest Hits Award. Which kind of yeah. seems like it's going the direction. By the way, there've been six winners. I'm trying to find the list of all the Gold Award winners. I want to see, like, maybe Jitlada has already won. They're probably, probably like yeah. Jitlada,
0: Marisco Jalisco, like all the yeah, places. Exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Uh, we can and, probably guess it. Yeah, we honestly, based on based on what it is so far, and I don't know if that's really the most interesting way to honor Jagel. Uh, honor J-Gold, But I, I totally, actually, I think you're totally on point. The Gold Award should go to the writer who's pushing. Food criticism, the farthest, right? Obviously, James Beard has media awards, right? But also, I don't know if they really capture the kind of I... essence that Jay Gold captured, right? Like, maybe there's no one else doing it in the same way, but I bet you could find people who are like interesting in that same, in the same vein and, and pushing the envelope with writing and food writing in the same way.
0: I could be wrong. I think that the James Beard Award maybe does have an award that is named after Jonathan Gold. I'm not sure that it's. I... The thing car. is, <laughs> I, 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 I'm not sure that it's intended to award the kind of journalism we're talking about, but I think it makes sense to have an LA-specific award, you know, named after that. There's so many journalists and podcasts, you know, doing incredible
2: work here in Los <laughs> Angeles.
1: So really, we're going in the direction that we want to award. Named after Jonathan Gold that we can then win, <laughs> then give to ourselves somehow when they run out of ideas. No, look, I mean, look, I I stand by all the thinking by the way, even if they have the existing award, that just means it's a good fucking idea. Good job by them, but but I I, I but to like loop back again, like Russian of the year, damn good. Gold award, let's call it what it is. That's all I yeah have legacy to, right? let's call it what lifetime it is.
0: achievement yeah. It. yeah 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 yeah, okay, look, this award is obviously a it's a big money maker for the LA Times. They use it to headline their like, you know, end of year events or their like mid-year events. They use it to like host dinners at the restaurants that win and whatnot. And, you know, media is a dying industry as as we know, we're a part of it. <laughs> and it's a money maker. But beyond that, what is the value of this award, something we love to talk about to the restaurants themselves? I mean,
1: no, no, no. There's so much value. Of course. Marketing, recognition, pride. Like, I, like we, we, again, I think we've been correctly cynical in a lot of ways about award food awards because that's, this is a food podcast, but the the process of like awarding, whatever artistic culinary, blah, 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 sheep, and in general. Uh, however, I think we should give more, like, there's a reason why there's a pursuit around these things. Uh, well, like when I think about Michelin stars or whatever. Right. And I imagine Having this kind of recognition expands the footprint of Paul Bosch and its chef of of Anne Jack and its chef so much more in a way that's probably deserving. I think as we get closer to uh, feeling like awards are identifying the right kind of restaurants, which I think they're whether it's James Beard or Michelin, whoever they're, they they since like over the last decade or so they've been better and better at and hopefully continue on that path. Then I feel more and more comfortable with the idea of these awards giving chefs and restaurants the notoriety and the and the uh, recognition that they that they have earned and deserved. Um, so I, I I stand by all that. Yes, of course uh, the awards in general are media exercise and and bring eyeballs and bring blah, blah blah like to the to the outlet itself. But there's but there's value to this. I think I'm, I think I'm coming around. I'm coming around on awards a little bit. I, I, yeah, I, no, they no. they are helpful. It's where we look for. where we look for ideas when we travel, right? And that's important then because we're the, we're gonna go eat at Holbosch. We're gonna go eat at Puyol, right?
0: Yeah, and also, Anna won last year and then won the James Beard Award this year. It's a valid yeah. question: Does Anna win the James Beard Award if it doesn't get the L.A. Times Restaurant of the Year Award first? You know, are these yeah. I would, these awards yeah. kind of work like stepping stones? And it's sort of like, you know, the quote unquote corporate ladder of a restaurant's trajectory to success. (laughs) So I do think that there's value. I think this one has a lot of sentimental value too. I think something about being recognized by the publication of Jonathan Gold, especially if you get the Gold Award, but also if you get the Restaurant of the Year Award, it's just like, there's something deeper here, you know, it's like... It's not just a Michelin recognition. It's not just a Zagat survey or whatever. You're Mm. doing something that matters here. You know, the, the past winners like local and whatnot, even though local wasn't ultimately successful, what it did and what it attempted to do, you know, it it mattered. So look, looking at that criteria, with this in mind, who else do you think we could be looking at as future winners of the Restaurant of the Year award?
1: Look. We we talked a little bit about poltergeist earlier. No pressure, Diego. Don't wanna don't wanna push him. But you go through those criteria. Sense of purpose, place within community, drive a conversation forward. Let's give the chef should honor health part a little bit and go straight to what should feel <laughs> like LA. <laughs> Poldergeist, which which is famously not a pop-up, and everyone knows that. It's a concept. <laughs> uh, sorry, Diego. Uh it's, it, like, meets a lot of that criteria, man. Like, like it really does. Literally, the thing we said about it when we, when we finished the crawl was, or when I mean, we were reflecting on the crawl, was the difference between that restaurant uh, and a place like, like some of the other places we'd gone to is that it was only in L.A. could you eat there. Now, yeah. look, it's hard for me to say fully what else should win this award without eating more in LA. I would probably just go through the list of restaurants we ate on our food crawl and be like all deserving. <laughs> One's heavy handed getting <laughs> getting getting its fucking <laughs> award. Um but 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 of them, like to me, Poltergeist is uh, the kind of idea, the kind of restaurant, the kind of food that could be deserving um, you know, down the line.
0: And that's one area where timing really matters, right? Like if the, if yeah. poltergeist got restaurant of the year award next year i'd be like hold your horses let's see how we go right but like
1: yeah, yeah exactly yeah
0: if they last like three years four years or something like that you know work then out I, some
1: of the kinks on the menu work out some of the mix and matching right no more pop rocks <laughs> and then and then we can figure it out but down I, the line yes exactly
0: i have a feeling if anybody can make pop rocks work it's diego but you know
1: <laughs>
0: i i'm surprised that you didn't mention another restaurant which i know that you've been to I think that Moosecraft could be a restaurant that gets this very soon.
1: Great, great shout. You're exactly right. I should have thought of that.
0: So the case for Moosecraft is sense of purpose and a place within the community. So, you know, I believe that they're Lincoln Heights or East LA yep. natives, and they brought yep. their excellent product to Lincoln Heights. It's a thing that yep. can only happen in Los Angeles. It's barbecue that has I believe that they describe it as sort of like a Chicano influence, right? So it's like very tied to like the, yes, obviously there's like roots in Texas barbecue and other places yeah. like that. But in terms of like the unique, the things that makes it unique, there's a lot of their personal history in that food as well. Um, I do think they honor diversity, health, sustainability, at least to the best of my knowledge, right? Maybe we're going to get like an expose on how they're like fucking over all their all their staff someday, who knows? But until until proven guilty they're innocent right and they're (laughs) definitely driving the conversation forward about like what is good barbecue where is good barbecue who makes good barbecue right so i think that that is and that's not just in la that is beyond that in beyond because barbecue is a famously insular world right it's like a very like regional like we own this here in this part of the country. Um, we are the ones who yeah. make it. It is authentic if we are making it. But the fact that Moosecraft is doing it and is doing it to such a high caliber, I, I'd say if I were, to, if there was a, you know, f- what's the uh, betting site that we're trying to get to sponsor us? Fanduel is Fanduel our preferred FanDuel,
1: one. Maybe. Yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah. If yeah. there was a Fanduel betting pool, then I'd, I'd put my money on uh, on Moosecraft.
1: It's it's a great show. I mean, look. The one thing I'll I'll point out that I'm sure there are plenty of barbecues in Texas uh, that have like Gigano influence as well, uh, you, with, with the population that. But but the, your points are all exactly correct. Um, Bloodsos I think was maybe and there was like what like what what shop or like other there are other other barbecues that were in LA as well. Slab is now up there, but and Bloodsos but Bloodsos I think really paved the way for great Texas barbecue in LA initially. And Moosecraft is taking that to a different level, um, with it, with like, and in all the ways that that you said. Um, so I, I, I imagine if they continue on the track, continue, they're also creative, right? They continue to innovate in some ways. They try different things on the menu. Um, they're they're uh, a really lovely like little spot. I I think you're exactly right that that is the kind of restaurant that fits basically all the criteria here. Um, so yeah, we'll be excited to see. Would be exciting to see them kind of uh um champion down the line. And then for, for the gold restaurant of the year, look, I just want Bestia to continue getting its shine. Like <laughs> Bestia and Babel, yeah, dude, fucking that the the chefs behind that work I think are some of the have achieved some of the most impressive stuff. To to be that consistently good over time. I know Bestia wasn't like I don't think it was a so like big gold like champion finding or whatever, but in terms of a of a restaurant that has That came into the arts district in LA, right, and was maybe the first to plant a flag in 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 re like capturing that neighborhood, redefining what it meant to be there and what could be successful, and then being successful for over a decade now, right? Like, really, really impressive, and and I, I would I want them to get their flowers for what they've achieved.
0: The betting odds on the fan, the Fanduel betting odds on the Gold Award are a lot, sort of like yes, uh,
1: 2000.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're lower reward because you can just go to Jonathan Gold's like past reviews and pretty much guarantee that it's going to be one of those yeah. restaurants, right? So <laughs> it's it's a bit more of a limited pool. Um, I think you know, I, again, I can't really speak to this as I don't know who has received it, like you know, in the past, but I think we're probably going to see a lot more park style places right some of the more like older school like places that i've been doing it for a much like coney seafood it's actually i think coney seafood 2020, won last
1: 2021 year. 2021 was Gulagetsa, cool like
0: so dude yeah yeah so <laughs>
1: like it, it, it's gonna be the old old sandbys
0: yeah yeah so look and look i think they just need to rebrand it the gold like lifetime achievement award or something but <laughs> i think these 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 are really meaningful awards man and you know i uh flowers to the whole bush we can't come to we can't wait to come visit you. And flowers to
1: parks. Have you been to parks? I don't think I actually have been to parks. I've been, I've been I've spend so much time in Koreatown recently. Haven't been to parks. The one thing I wanted to say real quick on the awards thing. And first of all, you just know that you're buying the tasting menu whole whole Just so in case I wasn't clear, I'm getting what <laughs> worth for this award. Uh, for this for this prize, I think I like the regional award. Of of the L A Times more than these national and international awards a little bit I think it's really notable that the L A Times and, and with John Gold whatever are able to set criteria specific to the place I think that is a is is I think a more important criteria than who is doing the best fine dining tasting menu on the world's best fifty and I would I love to read up like what the Seattle Times criteria is for their restaurants of the years um and and kind of like track down those winners because I think that regional and local perspective, uh, makes the award special when it comes from a, a local media outlet, um, versus like, you know, the, the ones that are coming in on a little bit more on high and not as familiar. I mean, so sure, panelists come from different places and are like from the regions, but I think it just, it makes it feel more grounded and, and more representative of the, of the place itself.
0: And also it's read by the people who actually live here. So Absolutely. they're more... They're more likely to go visit it than, like, we are to go, like, fly to, you know, uh, Quito go. and go to, like, the yeah. number seven restaurant on the world's 50 best, right? So, yeah, I think it's just a little bit more I, – I don't, I don't know. Definitely this one resonates, so.
1: We got to talk about what the LA Food Pod Awards look like. We got to come up with some criteria. I want to – you know, it's funny. We started this being, like, awards are meaningless and they fucking suck. Who chooses them? What do they mean? And now I'm literally, like, let's get out some awards, baby. Let's do it right, right. Yeah.
0: We're going to give the, uh, the Diego Argotti award for craziest story goes to Diego Argotti. And, uh, yeah, no, we, I I think we got to do some sort of awards we've been talking about doing a hall of fame, uh, like pyramid style, kind of like the way that Bill Simmons does his like book of basketball hall of fame. Um, we're going to get sued by
1: Bill at some point. (laughs) We gotta, we gotta branch out a little.
0: (laughs) We're going to get, we're going to get bought out by Bill. Bill. But, you know, trust me, a Zoom call with us, Bill, will be a lot different than a Zoom call with Prince Harry. We got ideas, bro. We got ideas. Father Saul, uh, you have a homework assignment. You got to go watch The Bear, okay? Because we're going to be reviewing it in the next couple weeks, okay?
1: I'm excited. Season two already getting great reviews. Um, I need to catch up, but I can't wait to talk about it, man.
0: Hey, good job by you. You get the award for best co-host today.
1: Pull <laughs> you guys is not a pop-up, everybody. Don't forget it.
0: Thanks, Father Saul. We'll be right back with Brian Lerner. I am stoked today to have Friend of the Pod, Friend of the LA Countdown join us. It's Brian Lerner of Brian Eats. Brian, how are you doing today?
2: I am great. It's great to see you and stoked to be here with you. So, Chatting about food, things we
0: both like. Our favorite things. Um, For a little bit of context, dear listener, Brian, his handle... Brian Eats, both on uh, Instagram and TikTok, right? A little bit of background on Brian. He uh, was a long-time, long-time Angelino, did most of his eating down here in L.A., but what, late last year, you moved to San Jose?
2: We've been up here for just a year, yeah. Just about a year, San Jose area.
0: Okay. The reason we're having Brian on today is... LA is great, but sometimes Angelinos leave LA. Sometimes, you know, they go on trips, they go visit family. And so we think it's really important to, you know, give our listeners a bit of a, uh, a handle on what else is happening around this golden state of ours. Um, but before we dive into what's hot in San Jose, Brian, I got to ask, do you miss LA? I
2: miss LA a ton. I miss the food a lot. Um, just the culture, right? Like, I don't know if you, if you live in LA and you get to be a part of it, there's just so many cool little pockets and just amazing things happening Not that, that doesn't happen elsewhere. But uh, I lived there for most of my life. And, uh, you know, just I've, I've also lived other places and I kept coming back. So we'll see what happens in the future. But it's also nice for a change. And, uh, you know, LA also involves a lot of chaos. So sometimes if you want some peace, it's, it's okay to be somewhere else too. <laughs> yeah. That
0: is so true. Uh, But you stay repping LA Uh, listener. You can't see this, but he is rocking the Danny boys uh, famous original LA hat. The one with like the pizza instead of the a. Um, So you're still, you're still doing your job of
2: spreading the good LA word. Yeah. You know, I get made fun of wearing my Dodgers hats, Uh, lifelong Dodgers fan, by the way, Uh, you know, up here in the Bay area. uh, They don't take too crammy to that, but you know, you still got to rep your town and people wear, you know, SF stuff in LA and, we don't really give them a hard time. So, no, but sideways. we
0: do give them a bit of side eye. At least I do. <laughs> uh, what do you miss? Uh, to, to, to start off with an emotional question, what do you miss most about the food here in LA? Oh, man.
2: I mean, I could put it in a single word into the tacos. Um, uh, for sure. There's a lot of Mexican and you know, Hispanic and, and Latinx food up in the Bay Area, too. Not would say that it doesn't exist here because it's, it exists all over California and all over the United States, but um, in everywhere that I've been, everywhere that I've eaten and traveled to, um, you know, there, in my opinion, there's two taco towns in this world that I've experienced, and that's Mexico City and Los Angeles. Oh, um, yeah. And I haven't been everywhere, right? There's definitely more places to go, but um, it's just part of the LA culture, the tacos. and of course i've got other favorite spots i lived on in the sotel neighborhood and i really loved sotel and there's other just you know like even amazing areas like the arts district um you know chinatown Like there's so many little pockets of like good food um all over the city and i only touched on a few of them so if i didn't mention yours like don't hate i've eaten at all of them but um yeah i just miss the tacos the most and just being able to like readily get good tacos anywhere
0: yeah that's the key right i'm sure there are good taco spots in San Jose and surrounding areas, but the just sheer availability of them down here. I mean, I remember I used to, I did the, the you know, taco crawl in 2022 where I ate at a hundred different taquerias in 365 days. And I remember thinking at the time, this is going to be a pretty East side, you know, East LA, South LA centric crawl. And then Brian comes along and is like, nah, there's a spot over here on West LA you got to check out. It's called Brothers Cousins. And you know what? Probably top 20 tacos I had last
2: year. I'm glad to hear that it was one of your favorites. That was a super fun uh, way for us to meet um, and enjoy some tacos together. And yeah, like it's really all over like LA there. I mean, Eastside definitely is heavy on the tacos. Don't get me wrong. Like that's where you'll find the best of the best. But um, yeah, Brothers Cousins, great. Uh You know uh there's a place called sonora town just down the street that you know are like upscale tacos and they're really solid um there's other places you know in the west side in south bay and um in the valley right like it's just i think there's because there's so much competition it's like so embedded in the culture that like even like just you could drive by any taco truck or any like street taco place and be like this is probably gonna be good yeah or at least passable Um, right yeah and and by the way, Brother's Cousin, I just saw, um, they've been like a little under the radar. even though know, there's always a line. And they've been there for like seven or eight years, I think. There's always a line on the street. And I just saw they made a top 20 list of like the infatuation or something. I was like, oh, they finally got repped on a, on a best of list. So Yo, shout I, out to I'm, them.
0: I'm not going to say it, but I think uh, you deserve some credit for that, my man.
2: Uh, I, you know, I'm always a supporter. Try Try to get on the ground level, right? So you can say that you were there yes. day one.
0: 100%. Um okay, so you miss tacos. You're sort of famous for your adoration of fried chicken and hot chicken stemming back to your, you know, time living in Nashville if I'm not wrong about that. Um good memory. what is the hot chicken you miss the most from Los Angeles and have you found any good ones up there?
2: Well, I mean, the best hot chicken in Los Angeles and possibly maybe anywhere is Helen and Wraith. And again, talking about being there from Talk about being there from day one, right? I I did used to live in Nashville in the early 2000s, and that's where, obviously, Nashville hot chicken is from. At the time, I think there was two or three spots that served it in the early 2000s. Um, Prince's, the original, Boltons, and um, you know some of the old school spots. And and I just liked hot chicken. And when I left Nashville, it was never to be heard from again. It's a place that does Food that didn't exist outside Nashville. And I give Johnny Ray's Down in the Howland Crew credit because he brought it to LA and that's what really got it kind of spreading out to other places. Everyone just started copying Holland race, yeah. um, and they've continued day to they've continued to innovate opening the second location. Right. And it's just as good as it was on day one, but like they took all their original chefs to Nashville made them study it. Right. Like, and they pay wow. homage to it while putting in their own spin. So I, I have massive respect for Holland and to answer your second part of your question. Uh, I have not found great hot chicken up here yet.
0: Yet. Keyword being yet.
2: It's, it's only a matter of time before Dave's opens there, right? Oh, there is Dave's here. They do have Dave's. I went to Dave's up here. I, I, I hope Dave does not listen to this or Dave's crew. Um, <laughs> I've, I, I've gotten into many of verbal arguments about why Dave's hot chicken should be called Dave's spicy tenders um, because I don't mm. believe it tastes like Nashville hot chicken. It's not that it's bad. It's good. They just have chicken tenders and sliders and it's like sauce and it's it's just a different thing, right? It's not like, to me, it's not Nashville hot chicken. It doesn't taste like I'm in Nashville. Um, doesn't mean it doesn't taste good. Um, but I've gotten into many arguments with people about how Dave's is not great and they should go to like Howland or, or like, you know, um, you know, hot fill or main Chick or one of these places that I think, you know, does it way better. And, uh, but I did go to Dave's up here and I was humbled a little bit like, you know what? Like, in a world where I don't have access to Howlin' and Ray's or Nashville, like Dave's does taste pretty good, but I will still contend that it's not really Nashville. And they call it Dave's hot chicken, not Nashville hot chicken, so I'll yeah. give them
0: that. I was absolutely flabbergasted to learn that I think there are a hundred Dave's hot chickens
2: uh out there to this day. Didn't and that did it? someone famous like get in on like I'm so out of it, like pop culture. I'm really bad at pop culture. But somebody famous like got in and started like investing and franchising it, I think.
0: Yeah, I think you're right about that. And by next year, I think they're gonna have like five hundred. So yeah. I mean Wow. Yeah, they're they're doing something that people like, clearly. But yeah, to your point, I, I it doesn't it just doesn't hit the same, probably because it's it's yeah, it's just a different recipe, right? Um you, you yeah. go there expecting hot chicken and it's yeah, to your point, just like kinda of spicy fried chicken.
2: And and I will um okay, it's Drake. I had to look it up. It's Drake and Samuel L. Jackson are investors in Dave's Hot Chicken. So there you go. That's huge. Yeah, so you got some big players there. And you know, I'm I'm sure, you know, they're, they're smart business people. They got a lot more money than me, so who am I to talk? But um uh, yeah. you know, I think this is an unpopular opinion, hot take maybe like I I don't think like a hot like hot chicken doesn't need Like what they call like the comeback sauce or whatever, you know, sauce. Like, you know, I mean, chicken sandwich, people love sauce on it, but like, I just want to taste like the great chicken. And so that's for me, like the slider dripping with sauce and coleslaw, like, isn't my flavor. I just want some really good, like, hot chicken on a bone. Dude, you are a purist because I, you know, I went to Hal and
0: Ray's, I think it was like January. So it's been a couple months now, but I had their chicken sando. And I absolutely loved the pairing of slaw and comeback sauce because obviously it it lets you get it a little bit hotter at least for me because it that the creaminess of those ingredients tempers the sort of spice right um and I just like the flavor of it but you're clearly like you clearly approach hot chicken like it's
2: sashimi or something <laughs> yeah you, you know you're not wrong and I think that's a funny comparison um but you know I mean the sando there is great like it's legendary yeah. If you want a chicken sandwich, like, you know, so some people just prefer a sandwich and that's, that's great. I hope they enjoy it. I don't want anyone to like not enjoy something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well enough about LA let's get into San Jose. Okay. So I want to okay. hear what are some of your favorite bites that you've had up there? Things that if I'm an Angelino, I'm going up to San Jose to visit my aunt or just to, for a business trip and I'm there for 24 to 48 hours what are the places that Brian Eats says you should definitely
2: go check the spot out? I did find one amazing taco truck that really that really like got me. And I was like, this place is awesome. I've been there a few times and it's consistently good. Um, and so, you know, I think if you're doing the California trip, like you might as well try some some tacos, right? Oh yeah. Um, and so this place is called pre Hispanic Mexican cuisine. Whenever I tell people about it, they're like, Okay, what's it called? I'm like, no, it's really called pre Hispanic Mexican cuisine. <laughs> And it, and, it, and it is a truck, um, and he focused on, on flavors from, like, the Yucatan um, mm-hmm. and uh, flavors that, you know, existed in Mexico um, when cooking um, before Hispanic, you know, from people from Spain arrived. So a lot mm-hmm. of like them and and, um, like, a salsa negra and things like that. And, um, yeah, it's really good. So you got to check that out. Um, and I just saw that you recently, uh, on your quest for all the 100 sandwiches, Went to Philippe's. Yeah. Um, did you go to Coles too? I, I, I can't remember. I will be going to Coles. I was initially okay, going to do
0: them right. in the same episode, but I figured, you know, let's give each one their own flowers. So yeah, I, I okay. went to uh, Philippe's. And for our listeners who don't know, Philippe's is legendary French dip
2: place downtown, kind of like near Chinatown. I, in the, in the philippes Coles debate, I, I will side with Philippe's uh, as far as what I like. But right. there's a place up here in a town called Sunnyvale. Uh, which is in the San Jose area, Silicon Valley, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Adamson's French Dip, it's a little pricier than Philippe's or Cole's, uh, but it is like premium. Like you can get it with um, like, you know, top sirloin or prime rib and the the Mm. beef is all smoked in-house. So it's got a much smokier flavor. The bread is all fresh baked. So like when you walk in, like you smell the bread baking, they do their own homemade root beer in like a frosted mug. And the place wow. is probably the size of the place is probably the size of the room that I'm in right now with a few outdoor tables, and they're only open from like eleven to three every day. Wow um, is it is it like a newfangled spot?
0: Like kind of like they're, they're yeah. Like-
2: well, the, the guy's been there for a while. I can't remember when he opened. Like it's not like brand new, but it's a little more like it's more new school than Philippe's or, or Cole's for sure. It's not yeah. like that old. Yeah, maybe since like you know the last twenty years. But um, the the owner is really cool. He's always there. If you start chatting with him, he'll tell you like. The prime rib is most popular because it says prime rib, but the top sirloin is actually the, like, more flavorful cut. You should get that. Like, he'll, he'll guide you on what to order. They have That's other cool. things, too. They have great fries. Um, and, yeah, it's a little bit pricey, but, like, it puts those two L.A. legends, like, to shame as far as flavor wow. and French dip. And it's That's... the most, like, plain, simple thing. It's, like, meat and bread, you know, and you can get like, horseradish if you want. But, like, I love when something is really simple and doesn't need a lot of, like, condiments or things to make it good accoutrements um, yeah no those are some yeah. fighting words
0: too because like it, it's not like you just took aim at like dave's hot chicken you took aim at like two <laughs> la institutions here and said and i like those two places. places
2: i'm not talking trash on them this place just is like another level of good you know that's good
0: man um, now well, now that, now that yeah. i know that's that's going to the top of my list for next time I'm in san jose or sunnyvale area
2: What other place well there's two other places that i think these are all like such like Casual spots too. I haven't really found like a great like sit down restaurant, but there's a place called Slice of Slice of homage Pizza. That's H O M A G E. um Slice of homage uh, is the best pizza I've had up here. They started off doing like Detroit and Sicilian styles, like that you know pan pizza. Mm-hmm. And uh I will say it can hang with the best of them. And I and you know for all you New York people. I know you think L A can't do pizza. L A can do pizza.
0: When you say hang with the best of them. Who are we talking about the best of them in LA? I want to hear Brian's take on pizza
2: for like a, like a pan. Pie, like I think Apollonia's, you know, is just killer for that, for that pan pizza. Um, oh yeah. That's my favorite. Like one. And then I do love Danny i I one the Danny voice catalogs in that New York style. Um, and there used to be this amazing place called slice truck, um, which has been closed since, I don't know, like 2019 or something, but, um, slice truck. If you check this out, he, I know he follows me on Instagram. I know occasionally he gets on there. He's a salty dude who just loves pizza and he just could not Sliced, the slice truck make enough money to keep him. it open. Uh, I don't know. He follow he follows Brian. He's like he's like on and off social media. Occasionally I'll just get a like slice truck likes your thing and I'm like, Yes, slice truck is still there. Oh nice.
0: Does um, he wait, and when you say salty, yeah. does he like complain
2: at you or what? No, no, no. He's like a salt, like, like you walk in the pizza shop and you feel like you're kind of like in New York, you know? like he's oh, like he's just Oh, that's cool. He's got sort of that edge yeah. about him. Yeah. 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 yeah like I, I went in there one time, but my dad, I wanted to take a pizza for my dad and he also had really great, um, he called it the grandma slice is what he had. And it was like, it was phenomenal. Um, but when you'd walk in there, I was like, Oh, my, my dad, like has like a sensitivity to like too much garlic. And he's like, then your dad shouldn't eat my pizza. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> he's like that kind of dude. I'm like, All right, I got something that. different, you know?
0: Can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen kind of guy.
2: Yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, his shop's not there anymore, but it was amazing pizza. And I feel like I'm leaving an LA place out that has great pan pizza and I'm I'm spacing and I can't. I feel really bad. Damn, oh, you leave. No, I was no, going to no, say, you leave new LA. Spot. No, no, it's, it, it's the new spot that just uh, opened recently that used to be a food truck. It used to be called Bootleg, now it's little Dynamite. Yeah, um, way to go! I, I haven't been to his, I haven't been to his new shop, Little Dynamite yet, but Bootleg Pizza, which used to be like a trailer in a parking lot in the pandemic, like was I think my favorite pan pizza ever. So this place in San Jose can hang with all of them. It's it's just as good, and that makes me happy. And they just recently started selling their New York slices or their New York pies as well. And um, I got that, and it was also really good. So there is a good pizza spot up here. You gotta have a dessert spot, right? Of course. You got it. So, the only
0: way to follow up a French dip, pizza, taco run is to have a little sweet
2: tooth, right? Yeah. So over over by Santa Clara University, which I guess makes it a college town. I don't really know. It's not like being near. It's not like being in Westwood or something, but whatever. Uh, they got a place called Rocco's Ice Cream Tacos. Yeah, it's like a, yeah, it's about the same size. Yeah. It was basically okay. they just put they basically just make a waffle cone into a curve and dip it in chocolate. Like yeah, yeah it yeah. seems I like it, the stupidest thing, but it's so good.
0: Oh, it's, I mean it's a – it is funny when like someone just takes ingredients everybody knows and just repackages them in a new way to consume it that just like transcends. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, because you know like if you do like a waffle cone and you dip it, right? Like the toppings are always just on top of the ice cream. So yeah. So like, you eat the toppings and like the chocolate dipping first, but it's not a taco, like you get the whole – you know. Yeah, it's, it's actually genius. It's also it, like – yeah, and it's also like they put like in like some nitro freeze or something. So it's like – it gets really – I don't know the way they do it it's, it's it's cool and you get places to drink up there you know I'm not much of a drinker to be honest um, so that's, I haven't really gone out exploring yeah
0: no that's totally fine I just imagined that like um, the like Silicon Valley bros need places need watering holes you know that, that, that would have been my guess yeah
2: I mean it's definitely a wine a wine thing up here like everyone has to have like a fancy wine list so
0: that makes sense Well, you're close. You're relatively close to wine country and there's a lot of people that have a lot of money to blow.
2: Yeah. I, you know, I guess so. I'm not, I'm not one of them, but um, but yeah, wine is everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. You can go up to Napa and you know, like, I mean, it's also like, what's interesting about this area is like, it's it's really spread out, right? So like
1: the Silicon Valley
2: area, it's like, but, but you can drive everywhere in like 15 or 20 minutes, but if you want to go to San Francisco or Oakland, it's like 45 or 50 minutes. And Sometimes it just seems so far, like, yeah, oh, my I mean, God, I have to drive all the way to Oakland. if I want to eat this food. I want to go all the way to San Francisco if I want to eat this food, which I, which I do fairly often, to be honest. But the thing that's, like, wild is, like, in LA, you'd be like, oh, it's an hour, whatever. We'll just go there, and it's only six miles away. 100%. Here, I'm getting, it's an I hour an, away. <laughs>
0: I'm easily driving an hour tonight for dinner. You know, like, that's just the way it goes, you know? Like, rush hour. I think if you I drove an hour to
2: get tacos with me on the west side. You were like, oh, I, God, you're on the west side. I have to drive an hour hundred percent. I think I
0: drove like an hour 15 just to get tacos with you. And it was like, <laughs> whatever, you know, throw on a podcast, throw yeah. on some music. You're there. That's, that's just LA for you.
2: But yeah, I think there's a lot and of dry like, an hour, but it's, and it's, but it's actually 50 miles away. So it's like, it just yes. feels so much farther.
0: It does. Yeah, I don't know. There is just something that screams inconvenience about that. I don't know what it is, but uh yeah, I, I, I probably wouldn't do that. But I also think that's the reason why I think San Jose and these these like, you know, Silicon Valley towns actually are getting a lot of good restaurants is because, you know, they've attracted so many people there because of the companies that are there and folks don't want to do that commute anymore to go all the way to san francisco just to get good food so they need stuff readily available yeah there
2: is also a massive um like amount of um asian food in this mm, area yeah. and when i say asian food like south asian east asian like you know all of it um and some of it is a little intimidating because it's kind of like going to like sgb um yeah. where like if i sometimes i walk into places i'm like the only white person there and sometimes like people are very like welcoming and they like want to help you. And sometimes they're much like they're very much like they won't like help you order. So like what do I order at this like Chinese noodle house where I can't read anything <laughs> on the menu, you know? So like um yeah. I'm definitely looking for some some friends who might be able to come, you know, go with me and help me order because um, you know, definitely love all the Asian cuisines. I haven't had great soup dumplings yet, although I've been to a couple of soup dumpling places. Um it's funny because everyone up here is like loving din fun and I'm like, come on. There yeah, definitely, there's definitely there's definitely just to find it.
0: Yeah, we've been there yeah. done that. Absolutely. I don't think people realize that like San Jose is one of the largest cities in California. It's like top five,
2: right? Yeah. And I think it's like in the top ten in the country, like city wise. Like it's it's bigger than cities that you like know and think of all the time. Yeah, like bigger um, than way bigger than San Francisco um but bigger population wise yeah
0: yeah population way by well also and size i guess probably square footage right yeah um but like way bigger than i think like you know other places that would have an eater like austin or something like that you know um i think yeah. san jose is up there
2: yeah i mean like okay so san jose population is like 1.8 million for the for the san jose like metro area which would be silicon valley um so i mean 1.8 million seems pretty big
0: that's big. I mean, that's like, yeah, that's a, that's a major city. So I feel like there it's needs like to be as big as the Valley
2: as big LA. as the
0: Valley. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about a place that doesn't get enough love in the media as well though. So what is your, what is the first thing you're going you're to go get when you come back to
2: LA? Is it tacos? I've been back a few times and yeah, I was, I was back a few weeks, uh, actually like two weeks ago, just doing some, some family stuff. And, um, I hit up, I hit up two spots. Um, I wanted to take my parents somewhere fun and they live in the valley. And so I took them to the new food hall in Topanga. Oh, nice. Um, I hear that's excellent. Topanga to to, to Social. Yeah, it was pretty good, right? They have like some local places. Um, we got burgers from Amboy, which has like a, you know, Amboy. They only do the Amboy Smash Burger, which I wish they had like the bigger Amboy Burger. I like that. But um, they've got some places like that. They got, they have a Wanderlust Creamery in there. And, um, you know, some, some other, uh, like LA staples but that. That was a lot of fun, um, just to go. And my parents were like blown away. Like, wow. This is so cool. Uh, my dad's mind was blown, that I could pay with my Apple watch on the iPad <laughs> ordering. Um, but, uh, so that, that was fun. And then I did go to brother's cousin's tacos. because like, I just got to go. I got to go get a taco. Get your brother's fix, cousins. Bro. I, yeah. I was
0: saying Topanga social is a really interesting one because like mini kebab and boy, um, there's like, isn't there a hot chicken place also that's that's in there as there well? Is a, it's
2: called Jay's. I've never had it. Um, Slab is coming soon, and you know if you haven't had Slab barbecue, like, what yeah. are you doing? Excellent um, place. Get Slab yeah. barbecue. Speaking of barbecue, we got to come back to that. Put a pin in barbecue. But the last time I was in L.A. before that, I made sure I hit up one place, which was Hall and Ray's, of course, and I wanted to go to the Pasadena location, um, which I hadn't been to yet, and was just like kidney were like walking in and it was just so good to see all the guys and um yeah
0: wow so you like know you know Howland. you really you're like you're like part of the family there
2: i mean like let's be honest if you've gone to Howland, like they kind of make everybody feel like that yeah or, like you walk in like they are if if you bring out your your camera like they're yelling at the camera like they make everybody feel like we're their best friends yeah um yeah. and i think that's part of the reason why they became so popular it's not just the food being great like when you went to Howl and you had like an experience, um so I mean, like we're not best friends, but like I've seen them enough times where like we know each other by first name, which is cool. that's um, great. I love so, when that happens yeah
0: hey let's let's close on barbecue what are you i mean you're 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 a huge barbecue guy you found any any good barbecue up there,
2: so I will say there is an awesome barbecue spot. It's in Oakland, um oh yeah, and it is definitely like top tier level it's called horn barbecue uh-huh. and it's 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 no secret uh the the chef i found out because he's been featuring all kinds of barbecue magazines but um i love a good local success story and the chef is from oakland um and wanted to like elevate the oakland culinary scene um right like he's he's a black pit ma- pit master and he's just bringing you know uh, attention to that into his community um, and the barbecue there is elite uh really good barbecue, like you go there's like a line down the block when they open on Sundays Texas style uh, uh, he, he, does, he, he does probably Texas. Style. he does brisket and but he also has some ribs and pulled pork, so he's like, you know a good California barbecue spot' it's always got a mix right mix yeah, I, yeah, yeah yeah, that's that's California, but um, yeah, it's really solid barbecue, and he also opened up a fried chicken spot called Cowbird. Hmm. Um, we just called it the K K O W bird. It's also in Oakland. I went there a few weeks ago. I was like craving chicken tenders. And I was like, I'm going to go check out Matt Horn's chicken spot. The tenders were also good. His mom was there working the counter um, on a Sunday. So uh, if you're up in the Bay area and you're looking for barbecue, Horn barbecue is a spot. I've been to a few other spots and they were weak at best.
0: And what what is the barbecue you miss the most down here?
2: I know this is not the most popular spot now because I know Moose is awesome and Slab is super good. Um, there's great places that, um, you know, uh, what do you call it? At Smorgansburg, there's great barbecue. But um, when Maple Block opened uh, yeah. first open, there wasn't a lot of like craft barbecue, or like Texas style barbecue in LA that was doing it like the right way in my opinion, you know, like real smoked. Um, and, and Maple Block is still there. And it's it's been consistently good. Um, I know it gets it doesn't get the hype that the other new, newer spots get, but um, I've always loved Maple Block. Nothing wrong with Maple Block,
0: man. Honestly, I think I think the Maple Block's biggest downfall is that it's not the other places. You know what I mean? It's just the other places are so good and also new and kind of shinier. Um, but like you know, Maple Block, nothing wrong with it, and uh, a very very solid barbecue joint. Same kind of goes for Bloodsos. You know, like Bloodsos was the be all end all you know like before all these places opened and it's still slaps yeah. it's just not as like new and sexy as moosecraft yeah
2: and check out you know kevin bloodsill on uh netflix the barbecue showdown like yeah repp- repp- repping a famous la chef right that always feels great
0: it does and he just won a james beard award too so uh you know flowers to our boy kevin well, Brian, thank you so much for joining. We, I really appreciate it. Thanks for giving our listeners a little taste of uh, Silicon Valley in San Jose. And uh, next time you're in town, please hit me up. And I can't wait to come visit you in San Jose and do a little food crawl of our own.
2: Yeah, that would be awesome. I'd love to see you. And I'll definitely let you know I'm in LA and you can take me to get a sandwich. Hell yeah. What sandwich are we going to? I mean, dealer's choice, right? Like you're the sandwich. You're the sandwich guy now, so <laughs> I am, I am.
0: I don't know, man. It's just it's tough sometimes to just keep coming up with the the next place to go to. I was hoping you'd have an answer for me, but uh I'll definitely show you something. Let's go to
2: the new... you have, you, you, oh, you haven't been to the oinkster yet.
0: I haven't. I haven't. And uh I'm not too too far from the OG
2: one uh in Eagle Rock. So I haven't I haven't been there in a long time, so I'm not gonna like hype it up, but um I remember the oinkster was like pretty elite when it first opened. Another another like you know they're like uh Trendsetter with like, you know, um, high end fast food. Yes. Or like, you know, like chef chef driven fast food, chef driven burger,
0: pastrami. Yeah. That was a, yeah. Yeah. That was again all the rage. Pastrami burger. Yeah. That's what we're doing. Pastrami burgers next time you're in town. Thanks for listening to another episode of the LA Food Podcast. Thanks to Father Saul as always. Thanks to our guest, Brian Lerner. If you like what you heard today, dear listener, please go to wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave us a rating, a star, a subscribe, maybe just write a review if you should be so inclined. We'll be back next week. And if you're looking for me in the meantime, you can find me on TikTok and on Instagram at the LA Countdown. That's T H E L A C O U n-t-d-o-w-n you can also find us on instagram at la food pod that's l-a-f-o-o-d p-o-d